Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Well, Achilles, appreciate that. Achilles in... Greek mythology, if you've studied it, you know is one of the most powerful warriors of all time. And he was powerful because he was indestructible and invincible, except for one spot. Because the story goes when his mom was dipping him in the water that gave him his powers, she was holding him by his foot, and so his heel wasn't in the water, which meant his heel is the only spot where he was vulnerable. So you could strike Achilles anywhere and it wouldn't do damage. You couldn't harm him unless you got his heel. And if you know the story, that's what happens. A warrior named Paris launches an arrow and strikes the heel of Achilles, or Brad Pitt if you're a fan of the movie Troy. (laughs) And it was that one spot, that one arrow in the right place that completely took him out. Well, over time, our culture has taken that story and that term Achilles heel to talk about these weaknesses in our lives, these spots that might seem small, they might seem insignificant, but if we aren't careful and if they aren't protected, they can actually completely take us out. Uh, Next week, we're going to start an amazing series called Awakenings, and we're going to talk about what it looks like to recapture your confidence in God through difficult circumstances. And so I would encourage you, invite to that. That is going to be a series that you're going to want to be a part of. Um, But this morning, I want to take a second and talk through uh, something that I think is really all of our Achilles heel. The truth is we all have them. We all have vices, we all have weaknesses, we all have some areas, and it may look different um, between your neighbor and you on what those things are. But the one I wanna talk about, I believe is universal. In fact, I don't just believe that we're all dealing with it. I think at some point, if you haven't, you're going to. And I think that this uh, Achilles heel specifically is actually a root of a lot of other issues that we face. And so I think that if we can get this one right, and if we can protect this specific Achilles heel, that it will actually solve and tie up some other issues in our lives. So here's the word I'm gonna talk about. I'm gonna explain it. I wanna talk about an Achilles heel that we have of disconnection. Disconnection. Now here's how I wanna define that. I wanna define disconnection as lacking in deep personal relationships. Lacking in close, caring, and deep relationships, disconnection. This is that spot that you get in and maybe it didn't happen overnight. Maybe it happened slowly over time. You began to isolate yourself, separate yourself, and then you found yourself in a spot. Maybe something difficult in life happened. Maybe you entered a tough circumstance and you found yourself lacking in the deep relationships that you needed. In fact, maybe for some of you, that's been your story this morning. As you're walking in these doors, you feel like you're in that season of extreme loneliness, carrying the weight of all of life on your own shoulders and looking around and not having the people and the support that you need when it needs to be around you. I think this area of disconnection is such a tough one for our culture specifically. And if that's you, you're feeling that, I just wanna let you know that you're not alone. In fact, study statistics will show that this is a common issue in America especially. 
In fact, Cigna did a study where in 2018, they revealed that in the US, 43% of people feel isolated and that their relationships lack meaning. 43%. 39% said that they no longer feel close to anyone. To anyone. So to put that in perspective, that means that two out of five people around you are probably dealing with some type of extreme loneliness, even in this room. In fact, Time wrote a pretty incredible, compelling article on this, and they called loneliness the American epidemic. Because they say that it was so prevalent and it's connected to so many other issues like mental health, depression, suicide, an American epidemic. And then, this was in 2018, that was before COVID. Because what's the worst thing that can happen to an American epidemic of loneliness? How about a global pandemic? where we are now forced to physically and literally isolate ourselves from one another. And stats across the board rose in all of these areas to show that we are falling into a culture specifically who is struggling with this issue of disconnection. And maybe this was your experience through COVID and through quarantine. Maybe you actually realized the issue that disconnection has because you didn't necessarily need it before, you just sort of had it in your daily life and then you realized very quickly that now that you were separated, now that you were isolated, all of these other issues began coming up in your life and through quarantine and really they were all connected at the root by disconnection. And I think that many of our issues that came out of this season were really because of this. As we move on, as we get back to a new normal, whatever that looks like, it's very easy to go, okay, in that time I realized that disconnection, being separated, being isolated, it was an issue, it needs to be solved. But what's going to happen is, again, we will naturally drift toward isolation. This is our nature. This is just how we operate. We will again begin to disconnect from the people around us. And if we aren't careful to protect this Achilles heel, we will again find ourselves in an isolated spot, restarting the cycle all over again. And so I think it is so important for us to talk about this issue, to talk about how do we make sure that this isn't something that we can be blindsided again in the future. And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk, one, about how the majority of culture tries to fix this, how we try to fix this issue, but I want to talk about it because I think the, the way we're trying to is actually making it worse. And then I want to give us something that I think can help us begin to take steps forward on this begin to at least protect and be aware of this blind side, this Achilles heel, so that it doesn't take us out. So here's how we try to fix our issue of disconnection. I think the majority of culture, if we're honest, we try to replace deep relational connection with shallow digital connection. I think we do this. And I think we do this sometimes subconsciously because we feel like we're in the most connected time in history because we have access to millions of people at the push of a button, we can share photos, we can connect with people across the globe, we can Zoom call, and so we feel like we are deeply, deeply connected. But I wanna suggest that we're actually living in the most disconnected time in history. Because I think what we do is we falsely believe that because we have thousands of Facebook friends that we have any real friends. And because we had a lot of likes on that Instagram post that we actually have people that will be there for us when life hits the fan. And I just don't want us to confuse this digital connection with real one because here's a couple of things. I think the digital connection is actually making our disconnection worse. And here's one thing I think it's doing. I think it's getting in the way of actual connection. In fact, Barna did a study from parents and I just love this working in student and kid ministry. Um, parents say now that dinner and family time are being significantly disruptive by the smartphone. And Many parents in here saying amen, and I agree, and I've seen it, and if we were to take that poll, we'd probably see the same statistics. But it's not just kids, and it's not just students. 
Because another study revealed that we have 70% of us go to bed with our smartphones. And maybe it's just me, I feel like that's actually a little low. Because who has an alarm clock anymore? That all of us in our daily lives are inundated by this digital connection. We fill our time with it, we fill our gaps with it, and not just time that we're alone, but times that we're with people, if we're to be honest. And we're using, we're using digital connection as an escape from real personal connection. If you don't believe me, just go into an elevator next time and don't pull out your phone. Things will get awkward real quick, right? What did people do in elevators before smartphones? I don't know. If we're not careful, we can end up so focused on a friend from high school that we don't talk to anymore that we're actually lacking in attention to the people that God's put around us and the family that God's put around us and the interactions that God wants us to have that are sitting maybe even across our own table. And although we are connected as a culture, we are becoming more and more disconnected because we're replacing it with a digital connection that's maybe not connection at all. The other thing I think it's doing is that it's making our interactions more shallow and less deep. It's making our interactions more shallow. See, I I think social media, um, the issue is that it's not a conversation. It's just more of a place to scream and shout our opinions. And there's no connecting with someone different than you who looks different, sounds different, acts different, believes different to enter into a relationship and a conversation that can actually do some good. And so instead of that, they're just becoming these shallow shout outs of these one-sided opinions that we can argue back and forth. And not only that, but it's shallow because it's not our real lives, is it? Social media is shallow because we are not putting forward our real true selves. We're putting forward the best edited versions of ourselves. We don't post the fight with our spouse. We don't post the financial stress that we're under. We don't post the extra quarantine pounds that we picked up. And and listen, I get it because I, I do this too. In fact, just this weekend, I posted this picture of my son we were at a home improvement store and I know, isn't he adorable? And uh, we po- I posted this picture and uh, said, running errands with dad, because that's what we were doing. And everyone liked it and commented and gave the hard eyes and thinks he's so cute and that's awesome. But what I didn't post is why we were there. Because our upstairs AC unit had flooded and it flooded through our, our downstairs kitchen and uh, I needed some parts to replace that. I was actually kind of stressed about the finances of it and the fact that there was water in our kitchen. And uh, I didn't post that as we got to the home improvement store, he had a blowout diaper that I had to change in the back seat in the heat. I just posted this. And you have too. And if we were to be honest, We're putting forward an image of our lives that we think are connecting with other people, but they're only connecting with our positives. They're only connecting with the best pieces of ourselves. And if we aren't careful, we will mistake that for real deep, true connection with people who care. And it just can't be the same. And so time and time again, we're gonna continue to drift this way. And and listen, before I go any further, let me say this. Um, Before you write me off as Amish, I'm not against technology. I'm not against social media. I use it. I love it but it needs to be a tool and not a substitute. If we continue to make it a substitute, this area of disconnection will click in faster than we think. And we will go under the illusion that we were actually deeply connected when we're lacking that in a very big way. And so here's what I wanna contend. I think that there is a reason, I know there's a reason of why we drift away from real relationships and toward something like digital connection because digital connection is easy and it's safe. 
shallow is safe. Shallow relationships are easy to maintain. They're safe. No one gets hurt. There's no emotion involved. Digital connection is very simple to blast your opinion and to not be challenged on anything. It is so, so easy to have shallow digital connection, but real deep relationships like I'm talking about, they are messy and they are difficult. And being vulnerable and letting people in, it is hard. And I'd be willing to bet you've been hurt by it. At some point along the way, we could probably go around and tell story after story, I'm not going to, don't worry, of a relationship that hurt you, that left you broken, left you reeling. And what happened then is something that you didn't maybe recognize, you didn't maybe see at the time, but somewhere deep down, you said, I'm not gonna trust like that again. And I'm gonna continue to not let people all the way in. I let them a little bit in, but not all the way. And over time, as you began to isolate and isolate and isolate, you landed yourself in a spot where you are actually not connecting deeply with anyone. Here's why I think this is so damaging. Because connection is risky, but disconnection is more so. Connection, it is messy, but it's a meth worth worth making. And here's why, I think you were made for connection. I think everyone in this room, you were made for. And I don't just say that as a saying. I mean, genuinely, you were created for connection. It goes all the way back to what the author wrote in the creation account in Genesis. He's describing not not really how God created the world, but the why, his heartbeat behind it. And here's what he says. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. What I'm gonna do in just a minute is, I wanna talk about how this isn't just something that like I came up with or my opinion, that actually this this worry about disconnection is something that Jesus and his followers talked a lot about, something that Jesus seemed to care a ton about. And I know that you might be investigating or skeptical or not sure where you stand with Jesus, and that's okay, a lot of our churches. And so what I wanna challenge you though, is would you try this? Would you try Jesus' answer? Because I really believe that he was ahead of his time, his followers were ahead of their time and and they saw this issue before stats said it was an issue. And so I think what they're gonna talk about is gonna be incredibly helpful wherever you stand. And so if you've been thinking, maybe I wanna follow Jesus, maybe just follow him in this and uh, and see what you think. Um, So Genesis sets out and he says, listen, mankind was created differently. And in mankind was put the image of God himself. That's you that God has put inside of you his own image, a reflection of who he is. And so if you wanna know your role or your purpose, you are created to be a reflection of God on this earth. That's who we are. That is your purpose, to be a reflection of God and who he is on earth. That was different than every other creation that you were set apart with his image. But he doesn't stop there. So then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, next we know that he creates Eve, but this verse isn't just talking about specifically Eve. In fact, this idea of not good means incomplete. In other words, man alone without companionship is incomplete. You are lacking in your purpose if you are alone. So he creates man, and he didn't just say created man in his image. If you notice, it says in our image. This is kind of a tough theological thing, not to get too um, theological, but we actually believe that God is one in three. We call it the Trinity, you've probably heard that before, but that he is God, the creator, 
the Son, the, the Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in us. We say that's kind of three in one, the Trinity. It sort of defines who God is and sums him up. But don't miss this. That means God in himself is a community. God in himself is a gathering. And so if you saw the language, he says, let me create man in our image, in our likeness. In other words, if you try to do life alone, if you try and go at your purpose of reflecting God on this earth by yourself, it is not good. It is incomplete. Your purpose is not fully fulfilled. You were created to be in community with other people. That is what you were created for. And Christians have always struggled with this, even in the early churches They didn't connect well. In fact, they were all different because they tried to come together and follow Jesus, but they had different backgrounds, different historical backgrounds, different political beliefs, different races, and they were trying to come together under one unified thing. Sort of sounds like our church today. And as they were doing that, there were were leaders who were trying to help guide them, people who had been with Jesus, including this guy, Paul. Now, Paul, he had been with Jesus after Jesus died. He used to be a skeptic. He used to try and end anyone who would claim the name of Jesus. It's a pretty incredible testimony because he went from that to being one of the greatest church planters of all time. And he said it's because he saw Jesus after he died, which would make any of us reconsider our life choices. And so as he's leading churches in Ephesus specifically, he addresses this actual issue. And he says, listen, guys, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip people for works of service. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure, the fullness of Christ. So what he's saying here is that the way we have been distributed is different people with different gifts, different personalities, different backgrounds, different traits. And yet what makes the body of Christ so amazing is that when that kind of group of people, a diverse group of people would link arms together, that's when you find fullness. When a diverse group of people like that would link arms and pursue Jesus together, that's where you see the fullness of who God is. That's where you see the fullness of Jesus. That's where you will see your own fullness. The truth is connection is what leads to fullness. Connection is what will lead to your fullness. So many of you have been sitting feeling like, I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel all together. I feel incomplete. And maybe the thing that you're lacking are some deep, genuine, true connections because you were created for it. And something powerful can happen when the church decides that we're gonna link arms despite our differences, despite how, how diverse we are, and we're gonna pursue Jesus together. Here's two things I think you're gonna see in your own fullness. One, I think you're gonna see God more fully. When you link arms with other people next to you, you will see God more fully. Because here's the truth. You are part of his image, but so are they. You are part of God's image, but only a part. Your experience is valid, but so is theirs. There are things that that you've seen about God and experienced with him, but someone else has seen something totally different. What's true is if we begin to link arms with people who are different than us, you will begin to see more of the image of who God is you will begin to open your eyes to different experiences and people who have interacted with God a little bit differently and you will begin to broaden your view on God. You will see him more fully. The other thing is you will see yourself more fully because the truth is we all have blind spots. We all have things in our lives that maybe we need to grow in, maybe we're weak in and there's someone else who is stronger in that area. 
There's someone else who hasn't had that experience. There's someone else who maybe even needs you to help in their weakness. And as we begin to do that together, we will grow to who we are called to be. We will begin to see ourselves more fully, but it only happens in connection. Connection leads to fullness. So I wanna give us a takeaway, the thing that I think is gonna help us begin to fight against this or at least make it a priority in our lives. And it's one word that sounds simple, but it's not. And it's transparency. If we truly hope to protect this Achilles heel from taking us out, we have to begin to develop some transparent relationships. That means there needs to be a handful of people who know everything. A handful of people that you aren't social media edited with, a handful of people that you know are safe and can trust and can let into the places that you're scared to let people into. Total transparency. Now notice I say a few people because this doesn't need to be everybody. This doesn't mean the stranger at the bus station needs to know all your deepest, darkest secrets. But do you have someone? Do you have anyone who can fully know you, who can fully see you? James, who is the brother of Jesus and his another incredible testimony because he thought Jesus was crazy like most of us would if our siblings said they were God. And so he didn't believe him. In fact, we see him early on in scripture telling people, don't listen to Jesus, go home, he's crazy. Um, and then something happens to him as well later because he dies proclaiming that Jesus is his Lord. And so his testimony was the same. He saw Jesus after he died, but go read his testimony. It's incredible. But here's what he writes in James 5, 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now, a lot of us have kind of read this verse wrong over the years. And we tend to kind of read this as confess to one another and then that's where you'll find forgiveness. But that's not what, Paul, that's not what James says. Forgiveness is what you have in God. Forgiveness is the gospel of what Jesus Christ came to do. Forgiveness is that Jesus died on your behalf in spite of your past, in spite of your mess. In fact, talk about transparency. He sees it all. He knows it all. The things you think you're hiding from God, he gets it. He sees it. And he loves you anyway. The message of Jesus is that he died for you anyway. The message of Jesus is that he has seen you fully and yet loves you fully. That is our amazing truth to be lived out in Jesus. But what James is talking about here, he didn't say, now you need to confess to one another and you'll be forgiven. You have forgiveness in Jesus. But if you want to be healed, he says, confess to one another. If you want that broken area that continues to plague you night after night so you can't sleep, you need to confess to somebody else. If you want that area of your heart that has just been following you and weighing heavy on you and you can't seem to lift, maybe healing is found in finding a safe person and confessing to them. What James is talking about here is far messier because he's saying that in fact, we need connection. We need some people that we are transparent with and maybe there's healing. Tim Keller who's a pastor and author. He writes this and I just thought it was so powerful. He says, to be loved, but not known. It's comforting, but it's superficial. To be known but not loved, that's our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It's what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us against the difficulty that life 
can throw at us. The thing that we need most is connection. It is to be fully known and fully loved. And we can't have one without the other. What Tim just said that I think is so powerful is that that's what will help us when life really goes off the rails. Anyone been to the California Redwoods? Anyone ever, ever seen them? It's pretty incredible because in this one forest, some of the largest and tallest trees that exist. And what's crazy is I actually have a picture of just how massive these trees are. And what's crazy is that some of these are thousands of years old. And so over time, these things have continued to grow, continue to thrive and continue to expand when you would think something so large, so massive, just with a storm would be taken out. How does something grow that tall when a simple storm could knock it over? Well, scientists say the uniqueness of the redwoods are actually in their root system. And the reason they don't operate like other trees is because other trees build their roots down to dig into the ground to anchor themselves. The redwoods are different. Their roots grow straight out. And they want to intertwine and connect with the trees to their right and to their left. And all together of them doing this, they've actually created one system, one interlocking network. So when a storm hits, it's not just trying to take down one, it's trying to take down all of them. And they survive. And they thrive. No matter what comes their way. My question is, are you connected? Because if you haven't walked through it yet, you're going to. A storm that will try to take you out. To take out your family. To take out what God wants to do in your life. To take out and kill your dream. But are you connected? Because if we can make the decision now to guard this Achilles heel, something that seems small, that seems insignificant, that's an easy just drift naturally, if we can begin to protect that, then when the storm hits, things might be different. And maybe that looks different for everyone. Maybe for some of you, that means that you get in a group here. Because we have groups based around support. We have groups um, based around hobbies. We have groups all over the place that I think are gonna be so helpful for you deciding, I need some people in my life that I can be transparent with, that I can link arms with, even if they're different, even if they look different than me or sound different than me. I'm not just gonna leave a group because I walked in and they aren't all like me, but I'm gonna link arms and decide that I'm gonna see God more fully. I'm gonna see myself more fully if I can link arms with other believers next to me. And we're gonna do this thing. Maybe for you that looks like making a decision to put down your phone at home and when you're done with work, you're done with work and decide to connect with the people right in front of you. Maybe your decision is to call up that friend who you've talked with, you've been kind of vulnerable, but you haven't let in all the way and you need to have a tough conversation and go, listen, I just haven't been fully transparent with you and I've been wondering why this thing still isn't healed up and so I just need to, I just need to go for it. I need to find somebody that I can let in fully. Whatever it is, my hope would be that we start now. Not in the storm, not when we see it coming, that we connect right now because you're in a safe place to do it. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you that you've created us in your image, that you've created us for community, that none of us are meant to do this alone. But God, I know that there are some very real and deep relational hurts in the room. I know that there have been brokenness that have caused us to step back from prioritizing connection with others. So God, 
I just pray right now that you would give us the boldness to try again, that you would give us the boldness to step out and to be transparent with a few people in our lives. God, I know it's gonna be messy, it's going to be difficult, but God, we know it's worth it. Would you help us to take that step? We thank you. That's your name I pray. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.